I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John. In 1 John, in chapter 2, there's three verses that I want to run by you. Where it says in verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So he lets you know, why shouldn't I love the world? Because it's going to pass away. Well, why shouldn't I love the things of the world? Because they're going to pass away. What about the lust of the flesh? That's going to pass away. What about the lust of the eyes? Well, that's going to pass away. What about the pride of life? Well, that's going to pass away. But there is something that will last forever. And that's you and I. We will abide with the Lord forever. Now, we know where we're going to be forever, and that's going to be with the Lord. And we will probably be as close as we could ever want to be with the Lord forever in heaven. But we're not in heaven yet. So look there in verse 28, where it says, And now, little children, and now, little children, while you're in the world, don't love the world. But he said, I want you to love me. And when he says this, he says, abide in him. He wants us to live where we have been placed. You have been placed in Christ. He's taken you out of the world, put you in Christ. Now he wants you to live for him. And he says, and now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Because if you love the things of the world, and when he comes, you're going to be ashamed. And if you love the things of the flesh, you're going to be ashamed. And the lust of the eyes, you're going to be ashamed. And the pride of life, you're going to be ashamed. But you will not be ashamed of anything that you did for him. You'll never be ashamed of that. You will be so glad, so thankful, and you'll be praising God for all eternity. So therefore, as a child of God in this world, you and I should serve the Lord. That is the will of God. Now, Sunday night, I mentioned a few things to you that I just want to briefly run them by you one more time before I get into the second part of this, which will be the impact of God's will. You see, the first part was realizing the importance of God's will in our life. Because, see, if you don't see it as important, then you won't deal with it as though it's important. You have to believe that. And so, number one I gave you was, we cannot plan our own lives. Because in Jeremiah chapter 10, he makes this statement, It is not within man that walketh to direct his steps. So man is not capable of his own leadership. Otherwise, you and I would not need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We would not need the Word of God given to us, because we could just do whatever seems right in our own eyes, and God says, that's not good enough. So it's not within man. And also that God has a perfect will for every child of God. And that's why in the book of Romans in chapter 12 and verse 2, when it said, and be not conformed to this world, that's every person. 
and be transformed. That's every person. When he talks about by the renewing of your mind, that's every individual should renew their mind. So that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that is the will of God. And God does have a will for each one of his children. Never really worry about what somebody else is doing. You make sure you're doing with what God has given to you where you are and do it faithfully. Number three I gave you was Jesus set the example while he was here on the earth. The Bible says in the book of Peter that Jesus was our example, even in humility. Because look who he was. He was equal with God, yet made himself of no reputation, and humbled himself and became a man, even unto death. So this, he says in the book of Philippians in chapter 2 and verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The other one was the apostle Paul was also a good example because after he trusted the Lord and believed on him on the Damascus road, he says, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord says, I want to show you how great you're going to suffer for my name. And you're going to be witnessing before all kinds of people all over the place, and you're going to suffer for me. And then he says there in the book of Romans in chapter 1 and verse 1, where he makes the statement, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. You see, Paul did not exalt himself. Paul is not the one that determined the ministry that God had for him. God had a will for him. God had something he wanted Paul to do. Why we study these things is so that you will understand Paul is no greater than you and I. Paul was a man. David in the Bible said a man after God's own heart, but Paul and John and all these guys, Daniel and Joseph, they were all men of like passion, just like we are. And if God is not a respecter of person, God doesn't love one person more than another. That's good to know. That's helpful to know. And understanding the will of God. That whatever it is God wants you and I to do, God also has enabled us by the Holy Spirit with a particular gift to do whatever it is He wants us to do. The reason we study the Word of God and yield to the teachings of the Bible and the Holy Spirit is so that we can discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will that God has for me. The other one was, I gave you, was only God knows the future. Only God knows the future. And know it, He does. And He makes no mistakes. So doesn't it make sense for you and I to trust ourselves to the only one who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? And if He is who He claims to be and can do what He says He can do, then we can trust Him with our life. Haven't you already trusted Him with your soul? Haven't you depended upon Him and trusted what He had to say for your eternal destination? If we've already done that, and if he can give us heaven someday, can't we trust him for a hamburger from day to day? And you say, well, what if I don't get that hamburger? Well, then you're going to go get you a big old meal called um, the marriage supper of the lamb. So God will take you on up there and feed you real good. Don't worry about it. You say, what if I die here? Well, how are you going to get there without dying here or leaving here? One way or the other, whether by death or by the rapture, we're supposed to go. 
So God wants us to not only know that he knows the future, but God wants us to know the will of God. And that's why he says for us to read and to study so that we can know what God wants us to do with our life. Number seven I gave you was God commands us to know his will. And did you know that it is a command of God for you and I to know the will of God? And that's why he made the statement in Ephesians in chapter 5 verse 17 talks about us. Be ye wise understanding what the will of the Lord is. So it is the will of God for you and I to know his will. So therefore if it is a command then we're disobeying the command when we don't seek his will. What does God want me to do with my life? You see, it's not going to matter when you get to heaven what you did with your life if it wasn't what God wanted. Like I've mentioned before, you have a message you want to get out, and you got a $5 pen and a three-cent pencil. If that $5 pen won't write, which one would you use to write a message? Three-cent pencil. So I believe I'm maybe just a three-cent pencil with no talent and abilities, but at least God can use me because I've sought to be faithful. That's all that God requires. It is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. A steward. It means you don't belong to yourself. You belong to someone else. And you're simply to do with your life what God wants you to do. So God has commanded us. He's commanded us to know his will. And he's also commanded us to obey his will. And that's why he says he commands us as his servants to serve the Lord as from the heart. Now, what I want to do tonight is to show you a few things. And that one is found there in 1 John chapter 2. Where it talks about in verse 17. But he that doeth the will of God. Now, there's several things that could be looked at on this. One is, what is the will of God when it comes to salvation? To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe the gospel. To trust Christ as your Savior. When you do that, you will live forever. And then, as a child of God, if you will serve the Lord, what you do for the Lord will also abide forever. But if you live your life for the things of the world... And the world is going to be consumed by fire. It's going to be destroyed. Then there goes all of your dream. There goes your life. It's everything you work for. If all you live for is money, you're going to lose it. And if all you live for is things, cars, houses, whatever it is, if that's your life, then you, when it's gone, you've lost your life. You've wasted your life. That's why Christ says, if a man will lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Now, those are strong words, but it's still what the book says. And nothing that I teach is between you and I. It's always between what God's Word says and you. Because when I read it, I've got to answer these same things about what am I doing with my life. So, take your Bible, look in Psalms chapter 1. Psalms and chapter 1. I'm sure you've heard this portion of Scripture before. But I want you to look at it. Because there's some uh, wonderful things mentioned here. Because you'd need to be sold upon the will of God for your life. Or let's say you do. You believe it's the best. And I want to know it. And I want to do it. 
What will the impact of God's will be in my life? Well, just look there in verse 1. We'll just go by the first three verses here. But blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now we know that this is referring about us and others. And the impact that other people have on us. Did you know that you can be ungodly? And you could be the one standing in the way of sinners? And sitting in the seat of the scornful? You can do that. Christians can do that. But if you choose to be something different, well, then you can't let them, the world, influence the decisions that you make. You've got to be strong enough. Because if you're going to be like everybody else, then there's nothing unique about you. What makes you different? What makes you unique? Don't you feel like you are something special? Do you want to be like everybody else? I've always felt I want to be different. I want to be different. Everybody's <laughs> you are. Well, I want to be different in a good way, though. And everybody influences somebody. So he made the statement here in verse 2. Here's what will make you different. This will set you apart. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree. What if I do the will of God for my life? What, what does God want? Well, if I do, what can I expect? What will be the impact of me doing the will of God for my life? It's got to be worth it. Or it's not worth it. Well, that was a jewel I just said there. Yeah, I'll write that down. That just flowed right out of there. And he shall, in verse 3, be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth, and you ought to underline this, shall prosper. If there's anybody who wants you to prosper, it's the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about the health and wealth philosophy. I'm not talking about preaching a social gospel. I'm talking about prospering in things that are worth something. I want to, when I get to heaven, my father to say, well done, Yankee. Well done. I would hate to be ashamed that I knew the will of God, but I would not do it because, well, no, nobody else was. Don't go out on a limb, Yankee, because nobody else does that. You know somebody's going to want to get a saw and chop it off. They'd love to see you fall. Somebody's always trying to shoot you off your little perch. The more holy you want to live, the more godly you want to be, there's always somebody that wants to get a magnifying glass and magnify any little speck of dirt that you may have. Try to ruin your testimony. Say something against your character. Yeah. So can you handle it? Most people can't handle it. That's why they don't want to take and get involved because it might reveal their weaknesses of what they don't know. But anyway... Take your Bible and look in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. This is a, an awesome scripture, but I don't want to dwell there too long because I've got places to go. In Joshua chapter 1, look what he says there in verse 6. Moses was dead. God had been with Moses. But look where God took Moses. He took him from out of a desert and led him into another desert for 40 years. And then would not allow him to go into the promised land. 
because he got angry. He got bitter. He did something he shouldn't have done. He smote a rock twice. And Christ can only be smitten once. But anyway, look what he says in verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Two good words. Good success. You see, Joshua lived here upon the earth. He was taken the people into the promised land, and God had promised them good success. But the Bible tells us to read the Old Testament stories that we may learn, that we may learn to put our hope and our trust in the Lord in the book of Romans in chapter 15. So we have something that's really good for us. Did God tell Moses what his will was? Yeah. Did God tell Joshua what his will was? Yeah. And along with that, gave him some promises. If you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to bless you. So he was able to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what he did. Take your Bible and look in John chapter 7. The Gospel of John in chapter 7. Because it's so important for you to know doctrine. The doctrine in the Word of God. Doctrine we consider to be teachings. The major teachings. The major doctrines. We have a book called Bible Doctrines. Basic teachings of what God says about whether it's angel, angelology, eschatology, pneumatology, bibliology, ecclesiology, and all these other ologies. But there's a lot of things that you can read and study and learn what God has to say about things. So he makes a statement here in the book of John in chapter 7. Because there's people who heard what Jesus said but did not believe him. And he says, here's what's going to happen. He says, you're going to put me on the cross. And when you put me on that cross, my father will tell you who I am. My father's going to tell you who I am. But you see, he already said that I am the light of the world there in verse 12 and so on. I'm the light of the world. They said, you're not the light of the world. He said, when you put me on the cross, my father will tell you who I am. So when he was on the cross, God hit the main switch and all the lights went out. My father will tell you who I am. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And everything that he had said, and even whenever he died, the veil in the temple, his body represented that veil, torn from top to bottom, because Jesus was the way into the presence of God. By him we have access unto the Father through his body. And so therefore, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then when he came back from the dead, he proved who he was. God split the earth. You see, he keeps his word. But he made this statement that I thought was very, very good. And if you'll notice there in verse 28, Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But he says, As my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. So I speak these things, 
because that is what God wants me to do. That's in John chapter 8. Now, in John chapter 7, look there in verse 17. If any man, if any man will do my will, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it is of God or whether I speak of myself, my doctrine, what I teach. If you want to know the will of God, you've got to know doctrine. You've got to know what God says. His will is revealed in His Word. And yes, God wants us to know His Word so that we can know His will. That is clearly stated throughout the Scriptures. Now, Psalms chapter 25. I want you to go over there to the book of Psalms in chapter 25. There's a couple of verses here that are very, very enlightening. Psalms in chapter 25. And look there in verse 12. Sometimes I like to teach on a particular topic. Sometimes I've taken books and go by it verse by verse. Sometimes, you know, there are just certain verses scattered throughout the, the scriptures that are like little jewels, you know. Like you've dug it before and you found this little treasure in this portion of Scripture and it means something special to you. But I like this is because your way is God's choice. I want my way to be God's choice. Look what he says in verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. God will teach you how to walk in the way that he shall choose for you. God loves you. God knows what's best for us. God doesn't make mistakes. Think about it just for a moment. Who do you think could design your life better? You or God? When all power is in him. And he has the God-given ability, <laughs> because he's God. He can make whatever he wants to happen, happen. And you have absolutely no power whatsoever. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. But he knows it all. Can you and I trust God with everything? Look what else he says here. Look in verse 13. It says, his soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. Now, this next verse is also very important because it says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. You see, there's things that God will reveal to you that he will not reveal to any other. Another way of putting it is this. The way of the Lord is traceless and trackless. In other words, when it talks about the way of the Lord is like walking upon the waters. And he rides upon the storm. If he walks upon the water and you're trying to follow his footsteps, how do you follow footsteps through the water? Wouldn't that be fun? And there's nobody who has ever walked the exact path God wants you to walk. Now, we all have a lot of similarities in a lot of things by the scriptures. But see, every man's life is special, specific. 
There's things that God wants for us. We were all born in different places at different times. And we've all had different kinds of influences. And it's for a reason. Because God has different ways that he wants to use us. Now, when you understand how God works, then you will be so satisfied with what God's doing in your life. But when you don't, you'll resent your life. You'll wish you were somebody else. There ought not be anybody in this world you envy. Whose life do you think is better than yours? Yours can be as holy and as godly and as powerful as you choose to make it. If you were somebody else, you're not them. If you could be somebody else, do you think with what you are that you could do the same thing, the same way, to the same degree? But what if it's not what God wants? But you do not live your life filled with hatred and jealousy and bitterness because you envy somebody else and what they can do. Let God use you to whatever he wants. Did you know that whatever you are doing in the Lord's work, did you know there's somebody who envies you? I don't care who you are. Somebody wish they were you. Me? I don't care what level. You're better off than what somebody else is, and you're doing more than what somebody else is, and they wish they were as good as you. And then you'll live your whole life, and I wish I was like this. I wish I could sing like Peter Amato. Maybe don't limit yourself. Maybe God wants you to sing better than Peter Amato. Don't limit yourself. You have no idea the limitations that you put upon yourself. I wish I was good as. You just limited yourself. But you see, you want to be what God wants you to be. And to realize that there's something that God wants you to do. So that you're not intimidated. Confidence. Confidence. And what God has for you is where you get your boldness from. A lot of people are not bold. And a lot of people, believe it or not, despise those that are. Did you know if you serve the Lord, you are an automatic rebuke to somebody who doesn't? And therefore, your godliness will cause you to suffer persecution. Somebody will cut you out of their life because you're a rebuke to them. But they won't say anything. They just won't come around you anymore. But anyway, this is so important, these things. But look what he says up here. I want you to see this in verse 14 again. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant, his word. God will show those. God, do you think God knows those who love him? And God said, I'm going to teach secret things to this person because they want to do my will. 